Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Good morning, Westminster Chapel. It's lovely to be with you again this morning, having been away for a little while. This time last week, we were with our commission family in Portugal for a leaders weekend, and it was so good to see our churches doing well in Spain and Portugal. We've got two readings this morning. The first one is from Acts chapter 2 and verses 14 to 28. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And a slightly shorter reading in Luke 7, if you'd like to turn to that. Luke 7, verses 11 to 17. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her, and when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Uh, 
Amen. Thank you, Heather. Um, great to hear um, Louise and Maribel in terms of their stories. Great to uh, be sharing God's word with you today. Uh, we're in a series in the book of Acts. And um, last time I was here a few weeks ago, I was given one verse, which was Acts 1 verse 8, uh, in terms of you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I said back then, and it's important because even in the reading this morning, that the need of the hour is power. Yeah, someone, someone was listening. <laughs> so let's see, see if we can remember that. So the need of the hour is power, which is what the church most needs. What we most need this morning is supernatural power to come from the Holy Spirit to the church, which is, as Heather read the incredible Joel prophecy, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and sons and daughters will prophesy and visions will be given, and everyone, which is my text this morning, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And my prayer this morning is that everyone, can you say everyone? Everyone. Everyone? Everyone. Who is everyone? Everyone. Is anyone excluded this morning? No. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Etudu akel ke invaka onom de Señor sera salvo. Everyone who calls will be saved. That was a bit of Portuguese because we were in Portugal last week. Um, so I want to try and bring these two things together this morning because I want to try and help us as a church to understand something of the heart of God that wants to bring salvation to this world. And the instruments by which he wants to bring salvation is his church, in the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking and sharing the word of Christ. And that's our job description this morning, to try and help all of us, not one or two or, 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 or the preacher, but every one of us to call out to God in power, for power. And so let me be very, very practical about how we will finish this message. This morning we will finish this message and I will ask you to stand. And if you're a believer, I would I'm asking you to call out to God for salvation power on your life. I want to hear voices because I think the church has somewhat been dialed down in its volume. And we want to dial up the volume. And we want to hear God speak through one and another and hear God's voice speaking to us about his time, his purposes for our lives, for our city, the city of London, and for his church in that city. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So the question, just turn to somebody else and ask them this morning. It's a very simple question. Are you an elephant or a rabbit? Just turn to the person next to you and ask that question. Okay. 
Okay, you've all had a bit of fun doing that. I hope no one, I hope no one was offended at that point. I hope no one said, well, I think you're a bit of a rabbit. You never stop. My illustration this morning, as you can see from the slide above me, is that uh, an elephant takes 18 years to mature sexually. Is in season four times a year and has a gestation period of 22 months. And at the end of 22 months, it produces one elephant. Two elephants produce one elephant. A rabbit takes four months to mature. It's in season continuously. Its gestation period is one month. It produces seven rabbits, typically in every birth. So the result between an elephant and between a rabbit is that one elephant in four years, two elephants in four years can produce one elephant, Two rabbits in four years have the potential of producing 476 million rabbits. <clears throat> now, let me ask you again. <clears throat> are you an elephant or are you a rabbit? <laughs> we all know Doreen's a rabbit. The rest of us are probably more akin to an elephant than a rabbit. Most of us maybe even think of ourselves more in elephantine terms that maybe in our lifetime we might see someone, just one person saved. But the early church, and that's why we're looking at the book of Acts, knew themselves, they knew the power that was resting on them was a supernatural power. And they were like rabbits. They just multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. They turned the Roman world upside down in a period of 30 years, the book of Acts tells us. When you come to something like Acts 11, where a group of Christians are running scared out of, out of Jerusalem, Judea, into a place called Antioch, a pagan city, within a very short period of time, there is life, 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 life. People are being born again. Gentiles for the first time in large numbers. This church was to go on to reproduce and be in several hundred thousands within a century or so. The power that rested on the early church is the power that rests on us today. And we need to be open to the Holy Spirit this morning, full of faith and think, actually, it's not something we're going to do this morning. We're not going to suddenly find a strategy or find a mode of sharing our faith that's going to suddenly break through and we're going to be wonderfully used by God to see loads of people saved. No, what we are going to be believing for this morning in this text is that there is a supernatural move of God upon us whereby we are emboldened in our witness and we, we, we declare the truth of God and the world out there, everyone, calls on the name of the Lord and we saved. And this church grows this year and grows in the years ahead, not because we are recirculating Christians around and round and round in the churches of London, but because we are seeing people saved, young people saved, poor people saved, the nation saved and gathering in this place and encountering the living God. Amen. I want to hear a loud amen on that. Amen.
Now we're going to look at this very simple verse, one text, everyone who calls verse 21, on the name of the Lord will be saved through the reading that Heather gave us in Luke chapter 7. Because I want to help us understand what that verse means. What, who is the everyone? What is it to call on the name of the Lord? And what does salvation mean? What is salvation? And it's to do with the problem of mankind. And the problem of mankind is beautifully illustrated in this story. If you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, as Jesus is approaching a town called Nain, And as he approaches the town, you've got this cortege, this funeral cortege, this very sad moment where people are carrying a coffin, people dressed like crows in black, weeping and wailing because the person in the coffin is a young guy, maybe a teenager. And his mum is a widow, lost her husband, and it's her only, it was her only son, her only child. And you can imagine the misery of this funeral. And the finality of what we're going to look at today is, the, firstly, to understand the text that we're looking at, you need to understand the finality of death, the problem of death. One in one people die. It's the universal statistic. It's the one we cannot avoid. And when we're reading this text, when we're looking at this text, when we're seeing this funeral passing by and Jesus is standing there, we need to understand that is what happens to everyone. You cannot ignore it. We try and ignore it. We turn up music. We make our hospitals beautiful places, safe spaces, white spaces behind those walls. We don't know what's going on, but we know what's going on. People are dying. We all will die. We all shuffle along the perch. We're all doing it this morning, whether you like it or not. There is a day coming when you, it was you in the box. Death seems to have a grip, and its grip, it doesn't seem to let go of. It holds everyone, it pulls the world by its power into that chasm. The whole human race is on a funeral procession. It's an unhappy affair. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You see, the Bible doesn't duck over the problem of death. It doesn't say, hey, hey, Christians, just be a bit cheery. Smile a little bit. Ignore all that stuff. Let's just have happy days. The Christian message looks at the issue, the problem of death, and says we need to understand why people die, why everyone dies, why this world, in all its, its beauty and its amazing uh, creativity and, and wonder, why this world is also dying is because the problem, and the heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. We can put it all down to... One man and one woman right at the beginning, they decided, do we have to really do what God says? Do we really need God in the world? Can't we make paradise on earth without God? 
Who's God anyway? Who's God to tell us what to do? We're going to choose our life. We're going to choose the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. We're going to choose something that's forbidden for us because we feel in that place there will be life. And all that brought to the world was death. And we are in the same family tree carrying on that same rebellion today. Meet anybody out there in the street and ask them about God and they, most people shake their fists at God. Who is God to tell us what to do? How's God? What's he going to do with God? It's my life. I'm going to live it my way. It's not your life. It's God's life. The only reason you've been allowed to breathe this air is because God brought you into being. And he deserves your worship and your life. And we in the human, in the West in particular, we are destroying life after life. There's wars going on where we're destroying people, innocent people, battles going on. We're destroying our planet. In the last 10 years, I think it was, uh, we've, we've destroyed a half of the coral reef around Australia. In the last 10 years, we've taken 15,000 black rhinos, the population, and made it 5,000. We're destroying the world God's made us. And we're destroying one another. And we need to see, why is that? Why is that? Because at the heart of our being is a rebellion towards God. And because of that rebellion, because of that resistance, because of that sin, we die. Death claims us and takes us back to the dust and the earth. My dad is two years ago um, diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And they call that a living death. Because you see a person who was once brilliant, who had a phenomenal mind, gradually disappearing like a TV screen before your very eyes. All the wonders, the joy, the wonderful things in life just suddenly becoming forgotten. We're on that journey ourselves. We need an intervention. And this story tells us there is an intervention by the man, the one they called Jesus. When the Lord saw the woman, his heart went out to her, And he said, don't cry. Luke calls him Lord. In the book of Acts, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus is moved by our plight. Jesus is moved as he watches this funeral cortege, as he sees the widow, as he sees her dead son, he doesn't just join in in the cortege and say, oh, it's so sad. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I just want to be a friend. Just want to add some sympathy. No, Jesus steps in. Jesus deliberately steps in. He does something which is quite, could be quite offensive. If you think of most modern funerals, he goes up and he touches the coffin. He touches the person who is dead. And then he says, oh no, he says, young man, I say to you, get up. Now, now Jesus, 
One in one people die. Death has got its grips on this body. I've seen silent witness, Jesus. I know what's going on in that body. I know when I've heard all the things that gases are being released, that blood is being separated, that there's all kinds of maggots and flies flying around immediately. That We know what goes on in death, Jesus. Just leave it in the box. Here's the good news this morning. Jesus doesn't leave us in our box. He makes his way deliberately towards death and he speaks to death. He is stirred with a righteous anger towards death. It says in this, in this thing, he's moved. He's moved with a, a bowel-like movement, an anger-like movement, a compassion-like movement towards death because death is an enemy that he has come to destroy. God knows the rebellion and the wickedness in the human race and the human heart, but God has done something about it. He has moved towards it, towards us. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And in the verses that Heather read in Acts 2, it says here about death. God's purpose and foreknowledge, this man was handed over to you And with the help of wicked men, you put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from death, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. You cannot put God in a box. The world tried to kill off God and God destroyed death once and for all. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus loves to intervene in this broken world. He loves to intervene in the patterns of this world, even with healing in this world. Wayne Grudem, there's a quote, let's put a quote up here. The New Testament pattern, which we want to see repeated this morning, is preaching the word plus performing miracles. No examples of miracles without the word. No examples of significant missionary activity are not accompanied by the working of miracles. You see, we're all sitting in this room hoping the guy at the front is going to do something, which I'm not. But God, the God we're worshipping this morning is a supernatural God who is the same yesterday, today and forever. And Jesus is moved by our need, by our hurt, by our pain, by our illness, and loves to reach out in compassion to heal. So here's what we're going to do. Just going to allow God a little moment. I'd just like you to close your eyes just for a second. I know there will be many, maybe as many as a third of the people in this room are dealing with illness right now. Long-term illness, short-term illness, pain. I'd like you just to reach Or think about where that pain and that illness is and just touch it in your mind or with your hand this morning. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to carry on the work of Jesus in this place. Father, you asked us to pray and said, how much more will you give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We asked this morning that you would stretch forth your hand 
to perform miracles in this place this morning. I pray for sickness in the name of Jesus to be driven from bodies. I pray for joints that are dislocated to be located. I pray for pain to go. And I pray for a miracle after miracle in the lives of people this morning. Lord, I believe you can do it. I believe that you've asked us to pray for the sick and they will get well. And so we are being obedient this morning and asking for miracles amongst this church this morning. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now afterwards, you may want some prayer or you may have been healed. Test it out as you celebrate and worship in five minutes' time. But I also want to give you opportunity in terms of salvation. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, this woman encounters Jesus. Jesus goes up to the coffin and the young man gets out and he gives him back to her mother. I wonder what his first words to his mum were. I wonder what his first words to Jesus were. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Whoever calls on the name will be saved. Saved is to receive eternal life. This boy received life now, God's life now, the reversal of death now, but he would have died again. This promise is for eternal life. For all, that's us, all, who call on the name of the Lord. But what is eternal life, you say? Because I tell you what, most people in Britain, when they think of eternal life, think of a cloud up there in a life beyond the grave. They think that actually you die and then you get a harp and a cloud. And you sort of strum around. I mean, that doesn't sound great to me. Hell is pictured as a party Eternal life, a, a cloud and a harp. Or, as you hear, if, you, uh, if you're a fan of repair shop, it seems that heaven is like the whole of mankind comes up onto a viewing gallery and goes, I do hope they repair my clock. Oh, look at that. It's back as it was. Oh, I've never been so happy in this waiting gallery. Is that eternal life? that you spend an eternity watching everybody else repair your clock or your soft toy, and you go, woo that's really made my eternity. Eternal life, brothers and sisters, everybody in this place, eternal life is the life of God. It begins now, not then. It says in, um, in John 17, verse 3, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, Jesus the one anointed by the Holy Spirit, whom you have sent. Eternal life is to, by the grace of God, by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, is to enter into the life of the eternal God, which is an incredibly plus life. Everything good in this world, everything beautiful in this world, everything joyful in this world, everything loving in this world, and some, and some, and some, is from the eternal triune God. And God, when he rescues you from sin and death, puts you into the life of God, the life of the Trinity. And it's an incredible life. 
And it goes on and on and on forever. So that even when you are dead and buried, that eternal life goes on and on. It never stops. The love of Jesus is revealed, it says in Acts, by his death on the cross, giving up everything, given over to death so that we might not die. And that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. And you can read how the story ends as as they preach this marvellous first great sermon. I love the way it ends. Uh, If you look down in in, in Acts chapter 2, the people, this huge throng of people said, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter says, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just you believe and you've got some insurance policy. It's believe and you receive the Holy Spirit. You're bedded into the vine. You receive the life of God when you repent and believe in Jesus Christ. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let's do that this morning. Let me finish with point three. My prayer, the gospel's power in salvation, my prayer as I've been preparing this message is that I would love someone to be saved in this room this morning. Someone to cry out to God for eternal life. And here's what you have to do. It's really complex, really difficult. If you want to be saved, if you want to get into this eternal life, you've got to give all your money away. You've got to go on 700 pilgrimages to Jerusalem. You've got to climb Mount Everest with nothing but a pair of shorts and a t-shirt on. You've got to live a perfect life for the next three months. No, no. Eternal life is received by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. When you look at the Bible, there are so many Bible stories. The blind beggar, side of the street. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Call him, says Jesus. Salvation, coming to his house by calling the woman with the issue of blood, the Canaanite woman, the Gentile, even dogs get crumbs. She called on Jesus and received from Jesus. And the picture of C.H. Spurgeon, which came up just then. I don't know if you know him. He was a famous preacher the other side of town in Metropolitan Tabernacle. When he was a young man in his hometown of Colchester, there was a heavy snowfall. He couldn't get to his, his local church. So he's making his way and he, he pops into a, 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 another church, um, a Methodist, a primitive Methodist church. And there's only 15 people in it. And actually it's so bad, the snow, the preacher, the local minister couldn't actually make it to the church either. And so a cobbler was asked to stand up and speak. And the cobbler got up and he said, uh, I, I, I'll take my text from Isaiah 45, verse 22 this morning. Look under me and be saved. And his message was very simple. You don't take too much to look. Anyone can look. Didn't take any effort at all to look. 
A learned person can look while a fool could look. And as he's looking out, he spots a miserable young man in the middle. He says, young man, you look miserable. Look unto the Lord and be saved. And Spurgeon, as a young teenager, said at that very moment, like the clouds parted, and he looked heavenwards, and he saw Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father, and he looked and he called on the name of the Lord, and he was saved. In that moment, he was saved. It only takes a look. And so, this morning, will you look? I'm going to put a prayer up this morning up onto the screen behind me. And I'm going to pray it, and I'd like you to pray it, every one of you pray it in your heart with me. And maybe for the very first time, there'll be a person who doesn't know Jesus Christ who is looking and calling. Heavenly Father, I realize that I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Thank you for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for me so that I can be forgiven. I call upon his name to save me and to grant me eternal life. Take control of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me in your paths that I might bring glory to your name. Amen. I'd like you to stand. I'd like the worship band to come back up. I want to pray for two things now. I want to pray, firstly, that in this place, someone will look. Someone will call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And have prayed that prayer for the first time. So I just pray, Father, as our heads are bowed and as your spirit moves upon us, I pray that you would call a son and a daughter to your side, to your heavenly side, that they might receive today the very life gift of God, eternal life, and call upon you. If you this morning have called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, please tell me or one of the leaders here or someone who you brought with, we'd love to be able to pray with you and help you take the next steps on this journey. But I want to pray for all of us this morning who may at the beginning of this talk say I'm an elephant I've seen so so few people uh, become Christians through my witness and I just want to bring healing into your life and peace into your life it's not about you trying harder it's about the Holy Spirit filling you and empowering you to be his witness so if you're saying this morning guy I want to be a rabbit in the kingdom of God. I want to know what it is for the power of the Holy Spirit to everybody in my family, everybody in my workplace, everybody in my street. I want to be able to share the good news and see many, many saved. I'd like you just to lift your hands right now so I can pray for you. Come on, rabbits, every one of you, members of this church, Lord, we're crying out to you the God of all compassion, the one who crossed over to a funeral cortege and said, let there be life. And there was life as that young man hops out 
Lord, let there be life now in the Holy Spirit on our church, on Westminster Chapel, in the day in which we're living. We pray, pour out your Spirit on your sons and daughters that we might know supernatural power moving through us, the life of God, that people we touch, that we've touched over years, suddenly they're asking questions. What is it about you? What's going on in your church? And we would see salvation, salvation, salvation. I pray, let, do something supernatural in this place this morning. And I pray, Holy Spirit, conduct this orchestra now that we might hear you speaking through your church. Gifts of the Holy Spirit, scriptures, testimonies, words, testimonies of people being healed and saved in this place this morning. Encourage us and blow upon us, Holy Spirit. And drive this church deeper into the love of God, deeper into the purposes of God and bring great glory, great glory to your Son, Father. Great glory to the name which is above every other name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship Him together. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.